Knights of the Round Table, we are not. Hi, everybody. Greg Rust, Andrew Van Leeuwen and Dan Herrera with you for this edition of the KTM Summer Grill. A bit of a convo here in the Man Cave about the year that was for Erebus. 2023 was stunning for all sorts of reasons, not just Brody Kostecki's championship win. Boys, welcome. Um, in the past, we may have seen a scenario where those that start the year with a bang get mowed down toward the end or whatever. It certainly did not happen in their case, did it? It didn't. I think the, you know, the first thing to cover off, Rusty, is like what an amazing news story and a really good news story and a positive in what was a really tough year for supercars with you know a lot of criticism around Gen 3, the ongoing parity discussion. Amongst it all, we had a good news story. We had a new team win the team's championship, a new driver's champion, Shane Van Gisbergen is great, amazing driver. It was amazing watching him rack up titles. But it's nice to have a new face on top mm. and a new name and sort of breathe that fresh life um, into the sport through a new champion. So, you know, I think it can easily get lost at just what a great news story this really is. Mm. Um, these guys winning the championship. As you said, we've seen before when we've had rule changes. So 2013, where Car of the Future come in, Brad Jones Racing, for example, bolted out of the blocks, but... They couldn't execute that into a championship win because Triple Eight ran them down. Mm. That happened over the course of the season. 2015, you know, Tickford did execute and win a championship, but Triple Eight were probably the faster team by the end of that season once, mm. you know, the sort of the, the, the wave that came with the FGX sort of had died down a little bit. Triple Eight came back at them. In Adelaide this year, Erebus was still the fastest team. Oh, Brody yeah. was putting that car yeah. on pole position on Saturday. You know, they still had the, the edge over Triple Eight. Triple Eight didn't make the gains on them that we normally see them make when another team has a run of strong form. And I think that really says something. So forget about the fact, you know, the strengths of the Camaro or whatever. Like, what a performance from that team. Mm. Uh, Dan, I mean, they have sort of been uh, seen in the supercars paddock, if you will, as, as like an in independent outfit relative to a, a Red Bull or a Dick Johnson Racing or so on. That in itself is a great story to think that a team of that calibre uh, could do that. But, but really... They've arrived now. They're a main player, aren't they, with what they've achieved collectively? They have. They've they've hit the big time. And, and um, there's always been that underdog vibe or reputation about Erebus. They were keen to say that wasn't the case at the start of the season and, mm. and now they've proven it. Um, they've, you know, they really took the fight to Triple Eight and to everyone and they were forcing Triple Eight into sort of, you know, unconventional things or to have to take some risks at the back end of the season to to try and run Erebus down. So I, I think they've really, you know, they've shown that they've got the smarts and obviously you know, Brody Kostecki as well, he's shown that he's been able to get a handle on these cars and get the very most out of them. Let's focus on Brody Kostecki, the, the driver here. Roland Dane is in fact coming up as a, as a guest here on the, the Summer Grill. He wrote a great piece, his, his Roland's View opinion piece, which shared a bit of Brody's story. Um, the way he managed the season, the way he, um, as a young man, uh, against the pressures of a, a, a well-experienced Shane Van Gisbergen, held on to win that, that title was remarkable. Yeah, and he just never looked like he was going to drop it at any point. Mm. Like Once he got into that commanding position, obviously he had a bit of heat from Will Brown, his teammate, but he could sort of see him off. And you just knew that once Brody got going, he was not going to mess it up because he is a stone-cold superstar. Mm. Like, And we really have to appreciate these talents when they do come along. Like It's easy to just go, okay, he's just won the championship, whatever. But like, 
I sort of I, I have everyone has their own grading system on drivers and where they think they're at, you know, whether it's letters or numbers. But like those A plus drivers, you know, there's a supercars is full of really good professional drivers. Mm. But there's just that class of guys that have just got an X factor. You know, they're the A plus guys and Brody is absolutely one of them. The guy hadn't won a race until this year. Mm. Um, and once those floodgates opened, it all just really clicked for him. Mm. And like just Exceptional. What I really love about uh, in a race car driver is when they are just raw talent, like exceptional raw talent, and that's what he got. You know, he's getting the best out of the car every time he hops in it. Um, so that's been a, he's been a massive asset for Erebus in that way this year because he is someone who could maximise the car speed week in and week out. And realistically, Will Brown didn't do that. He he had peaks and troughs in his form, whereas Brody just didn't. Like he was just on it the whole time because that's the calibre of driver he is, and he is a world-class guy, um, we have to talk about his past. Like, he did it the hard way. It mm. wasn't just come in, lavish spending. You know, the Kostecki family invest no a lot. Spoon. No yeah, silver spoon. No silver spoon. No, the yeah, Kostecki yeah. family invest a lot of money in this sport, but it wasn't necessarily on Brody's side of the mm. Kostecki family where that investment was in the junior categories. You know, he was the one who stopped racing Super 2 so they could convert the car to do the wild card and all that sort of stuff. He did the hard yards. He's done the hard yards in terms of developing this immense, and I mean immense, wealth of understanding of engineering and, and, and the mechanical aspects of a car, which when you go to a new car, turns out that's really handy. When, mm. you, when you can actually, he can imagine what the car's doing under him. Mm. Um, you know, he's just built up all of these pillars as a race car driver that have just made him like as good as they get, mm. you know, and it's a super exciting talent and we should really enjoy it because I have a feeling that, he's going to be a NASCAR driver probably in two or three years because mm. I think that's where he wants to go and I think he's absolutely good enough to do it. So I think for the next couple of years, we should just really enjoy having Brody Kostecki in our championship because they don't come along all that often, guys mm. that are just that good. Dan, let's explore that a little bit, little bit further. Clearly, Bathurst and the story of the days leading up to the 1,000 and what they were doing in that car were remarkable. That is obviously something he desperately wants to tick for, for next year. But he quenched a little bit of that thirst for NASCAR in, in 23, and there's more on the table for, for 24, isn't there? Yeah, that's right. So, obviously, at RCR, Richard Childress Racing, they think very highly of him. They're going to have him back. It seems like they've formed a real sort of alliance with Erebus. Um, like you say, the Bathurst 1000 is is the one that... Um, certainly the one that he's still got to tick off in supercars. He obviously wants to win the championship again. I think... Um, if we're going to be hard markers, it's probably the only thing we can hold against Erebus at the moment. I think Triple Eight just sort of outsmarted them over the course of that weekend. I guess the the way that Triple Eight um, really focused on a race car and then strategizing in race as well. And I think that's something we heard Barry Ryan earlier in the year talk about just Erebus learning how to strategize when they've got you know two fast cars. I think there's still that's probably the small place where there's room for improvement for them, but. Um, Aside from that, it's all top-notch. I think the other thing just to add about Kostecki is that um, he's a racer. So we've seen plenty of drivers where if you give them a good car and they're out in front and they can churn out the lap times. But the other thing that Kostecki has is that in hand-to-hand combat, mm. we can see he's one of the very best as well at placing a car and actually thinking about you know, where to position himself relative to his rival. He's the whole package. I think that, like, that's a really important point because I think when Shane Van Gisbergen's out there and he's in a position to win, he pretty much fancies that he can outrace anybody in the category. 
But I think Brody's the one guy that he either looks in the mirror or looks out the windscreen and goes, okay, this ain't going to be easy. Like, this is going to be hard to get on top of this bloke. And I think mm. Brody's probably the only guy that Shane would go, yeah, I'm not just going to be able to walk over this bloke. This mm. is going to take a bit of work. In a moment, we'll talk about 2024 for Erebus and what that looks like and their chances of defending the crown and so on. But in the lead-up to the KTM Summer Grill Series, Andrew spoke with Barry Ryan from the team for the Speed Cafe newscast. Here's a little slice. Speaking of Will, has the, the sting of that decision that he made subsided a little bit? You've obviously been on this trip with him to the US and stuff. Has sort of time healed the wound a little bit? Because obviously, like you say, it was, a, it was a raw thing when we got to tail and bend. Oh, yeah, it is, yeah. Look, I've, I've just come to peace with it. It's like, it's what he wants to do. You know, he's going to be a Red Bull driver, and if that's his dream as a little kid, well, great. Well, he can fulfil that dream, but we're just going to move on. And, you know, we've got an awesome driver in Jack, and, you know, Brody's already, you know, embraced the, the change. He wasn't happy about it to start with. Like, there's no hiding behind that. And I don't blame him because they were an awesome team, you know, combination. They worked so well together. So, yeah, it was a big loss for Brady, but I think the same. He's moved on too, and he's like, yeah, I can I can do this with another driver. I just, he doesn't need Will to do it. So he's um, he's probably pushed himself harder than ever. Not that you probably could, but since Will's decision, he's probably put his head down and gone, I'm going to prove to Will that he needs to stay here. So, you know, that's just me saying that, but that's what I've seen in Brady's eyes, that he's just like, I'm going to prove to this guy that he doesn't need to go anywhere else. He could have stayed here. He's clearly been a big part of this, a big, a big influence. What, what are the areas, perhaps, behind the scenes that you would that you would polish or tune it at Erebus based on the, the 23 year they've had? Yeah, I think like if you sort of read between the lines of what Barry was talking about there, you know, when when the decision Will Brown made to leave the team in any other year, if Will Brown had decided to leave Erebus for Triple Eight, you would accept that mm. because. He's going there to win races. He's going because he wants the fastest car. In exactly the same way, the team, there was no grudges held when Anton went to Dick Johnson Racing. You know, mm. he was taking Scott McLaughlin's seat, effectively. Um, so you aren't going to stop someone doing that. I think what happened this year was different because Will Brown went to a team that wasn't quite as fast as Erebus at the time. Mm. And, you know, Erebus is now a race-winning team. So I think, you know, Barry understanding that perhaps there was some elements of the way the team was operating, led by him, that needed to change because the team has to adapt into being a powerhouse team. Mm. They've got Coca-Cola as a sponsor. Mm. It's a global brand. Like They are very well commercialised. They're winning races. Mm. You know, They're not battlers in the mid-pack anymore. Mm. Um, and I think that's quite important recognition from Barry that that comes with different responsibilities. Mm. Um, and you know, he wants to create a culture where... The drivers want to stay because they got super fast cars and mm. it's a really fun, good team environment. I'm not saying it's not that, but mm. it's interesting that he recognised that perhaps he could play a better, I more efficient mm. role in creating the right environment for, you know, the, turn that team into a proper front-running team mm. in every single aspect. And the other thing I think that, you know, he also referenced in that same chat that, you know, he knows what Brody wants to do. He mm. knows Brody wants to go to NASCAR. He's trying to help him do it. He wants to control that narrative mm. and be part of Brody's journey somewhere else. He doesn't want Brody to go to Triple Eight as well, mm. or to go to Tickford, or to go somewhere else. That's what he do- he really doesn't want. And I think he sort of set that as a challenge now, as a as a culture thing at Erebus. Like, 
let's help this guy get to where he wants to get to mm. instead of just focusing on supercars and potentially leaving the door open for him to go to another team. Two-part question to, to both of you here. Uh, Barry clearly has that, that Larry Perkins-esque thing and then the, the, the uh, polish or the growth that, you, that you're talking about doing there. How does he do that and then keep a bit of that style that we've come to, we've come to love at the same time? I really hope, you know, I, I was a big advocator when he got a slap on the wrist for swearing on TV and stuff. And I know TV people in particular sort of came <laughs> at me and went, you just can't be doing that. And maybe not. But, you know, we've had the conversation on this couch with various guests over, the, you know, while we've been filming here. We need personalities. Totally. So he can't lose that entirely. He is yeah. Barry. He's a polarising mm. person to, the, to people in the paddock, to fans, whatever. That's just what he is. Mm. You know, we need people like him in the sport, they're great for the sport. It's what makes the Erebus story different and good. So yeah, fantastic, yeah. you know. Mm. So I, 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 I hope he finds that balance, um, and I think he is recognizing that, which is a really positive step. But you know, the one thing he's really got in his corner is Betty. Yes, you know, she trusted. There's been several times now where she's really trusted him to rebuild her team. You know, when they came from the big spending, running the Mercedes, mm. based on the Gold Coast you know, at the very start of the Erebus story in supercars, he was the guy that came in and went, right, there's a, we're going to go back to basics here. We're mm. going to buy a couple of Walkinshaw Commodores and we're going to mm. go to a little shop in Melbourne and we're just going to become a normal race team. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's when David Reynolds arrived and we look at the, six, the relative success they had in terms of, you know, where they were in the pecking order. Um, and then when the relationship between Barry and Reynolds broke down, you know, in 2020, Betty had another decision to make and it was, who am I going with here? Because they, they, they couldn't both stay at the team. Mm. And she backed Barry to rebuild her team again at a time when, you know, they, they lost both Dave and Anton. You know, they lost their star power all in one go. Um, that could have been a really difficult time for the team, but Betty backed Barry and he went out and he got two rookie drivers and look at them now. Mm. Look at where they are now. So... Um, I think that's a really important ally. And just to that point as well, you know, probably one of the absolute best parts about all of this is what an amazing reward for Betty yes. for the investment that she's made, made. in mm. the sport because she loves it. And she mm. does it for no other reason mm. than the fact that she loves it. Mm. And um, that team is fortunate enough to have the backing to take the risks on young drivers and that sort of stuff, which mm. is important. But for Betty to be able to stick a team's championship trophy on her mantelpiece, mm. that's an amazing reward for someone who has invested a lot and done a lot for, for our sport. To you both, 2024 for them. Um, the driver lineup, great that you've got a champion coming back to, to defend the crown. Um, they've been good investors, as you talked about, in, in young talent along the way through the academy and so on. What, what's 24 going to be like from a, a driver lineup point well, of view? Yeah, I mean, they've got Jack LeBrock in there coming to replace Will Brown, but. Jack LeBrock's actually coming back to the family. He's, you know, his first years in in Super Two, you know, GT World Challenge, was Australian GT at the time, were with Erebus. Erebus they gave yeah. him his first start in the top flight in the Enduros, and I, I think as well, you know, we talk about the evolution of Barry Ryan as a person. I think there's always going to be that sense of siege mentality because that's just how the bloke is wide and it works for him. And and I think. Um, you know, Jack LeBrock knows that Erebus environment, so I think that's important as well. That's probably, in hindsight, a, 
a kind of obvious signing in terms of replacing. He, he's, a, he's a he's a race winner now. He's been mm. off with other teams. Does that help him too? Coming back into that environment, a knowing them, but but coming back a more perhaps credentialed racer in some respects. I think so. Yeah, it will be really interesting to see because obviously he got that race win with. Uh, MSR at Darwin and he's had some solid results with them they've really revived his career at MSR, it'd be interesting to see what sort of step he takes now that he's at Erebus because all of the other pieces are there mm. Big pressure up against Brody. Well, that, well that's, the, that's the thing and that is going to be a massive test and I don't think there's any driver on just pure outright ability that could take sorry there are a few that but that's a big test for jack no mm. doubt about that mm. i think the good thing for jack is that um brody doesn't there's no signs that brody is sort of a manipulative teammate mm-hmm. like he just open book he just mm. wins mm. like he mm. just goes either i'm winning and if i'm not fast enough to win then you'll win but mm. um he does seem to be very willing to impart the engineering understanding knowledge he has to mm. both sides of the garage mm. You know, he never shied away from Will Brown, incredibly credentialed, you know, mm. amazing driver. He never, you know, shied away from that challenge. Um, so I don't think Jack's walking into a situation where he's going to get stitched up and left behind. I think Brody will see him as a really valuable asset, as a pro- like a race-winning driver, mm. a proven professional-level race car driver. I think Brody will see him as a massive asset to keep m- moving the team forward because... Mm-hmm. You know, obviously the other teams are going to get their head around uh, these Gen 3 cars. If the parity stuff is sorted as we hope it will be, you're suddenly going to have Tickford and DJR and all these mm. other Grove, the rise of Grove Racing, all these other guys coming. Like, it's not going to be as easy next year. Mm. There's no doubt about that. Um, Brock Feeney's just getting better and better and better. So I, I think um, Jack's going to find quite a happy home there because Brody will go, it's important that we're both... We're both having input into making the, keeping these cars um, as the fast cars. And the other thing, just I think that was a great point from Dan about how Barry thrives and that siege mentality. And there's been all this talk about the live pit lane and they finally win the team's championship and they're not going to get – that they're not guaranteed to stay in the number one garage. It might work for them. It you might think? actually be a thing where, you know, if Barry feels under pressure all year, that'll push him and push the team to go, you know what, we're not giving up this garage. <laughs> we're going to stay here. So I wouldn't be surprised if – if actually in a weird way that 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 it actually Works plays into what mm. into what makes Barry tick and what can make him such a fierce competitor. Mm. This naturally leads us to to the finish here, right? So there is this that that, that age old point about winning a title's tough, defending it is even mm-hmm. e- even harder. Um, we know they have the people, we know they have the wherewithal. Can they do it in twenty four? I think so. I think if the car's anywhere near it. Brody's the sort of guy who's going to get the job, mm. the job done for you. You know, like he is, he'll go up against Cam Waters. You know, he'll go up against the best in the business. If they can keep the car in the window, him being a back-to-back champion, very, very feasible. Dan, final thoughts from you, if we can, here. This is a turning of the page, right? A, a new era. Brock Feeney, Brody Kostecki, you've got Ryan Wood, etc., coming through, and and Erebus very much being in that youthful um, phase. It, it's it's actually quite an exciting thing to look forward to for next year, isn't it? It is, yeah. I, th- I mean, it was at Wanneroo back in April where I think we saw the youngest podium ever. It was Brody Kostecki, Will Brown, Brock Feeney, and obviously, you know, yeah, we'll switch, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. switch camps, but he's he's still there in the championship. So yeah, it's a 
it's a really exciting time. And I think the, the other thing I'm excited about is that Brody Kostecki's he's a little bit Van Gisbergen-esque in his personality. He's maybe slightly reserved, but just says what he wants to say. Um, Will Brown's a different character again. I think we've had, you know, TQ describe him as a, the new Craig Lange. Can't stop him smiling. But I, th- I think that's, that's the other exciting part for me is that young talent coming through, but also some new personalities mm. coming through as well. I think you mentioned Ryan Wood. So that, that's really exciting to see as well and to see them going at it and hope, hopefully some rivalries developing between those guys as well. Definitely. We'd love to see some of those rivalries. Well done, lads. That's a little look back and a look forward as well on the team to perhaps beat in the 2024 season, having wrapped up the drivers and the team's championships in supercars last year. Erebus, that is it for this edition of the KTM Summer Grill. Tune in tomorrow morning, speedcafe.com, to see who our next guest is. You could be a winner each episode of the Summer Grill. KTM are giving you the chance to win a bar stool, a mug, and this race-inspired clock as well. So there's more good reasons to tune in and hear from some of the stars of world motorsport here as a part of the KTM Summer Grill. All you've got to do is click on the link below, fill in your details, and you could be in the running to win.